Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to you mothers out there. Uh, we are forever grateful for all that you do. Um, I know it's you mothers out there uh, getting the kids ready on Sunday mornings uh, while the fathers out there are getting that extra 30 minutes of sleep. So thank you mothers for getting your family here. Hopefully maybe the dads picked up the slack a bit this morning as it's Mother's Day after all. But I had a, a great weekend in Michigan uh, celebrating Mother's Day with my mom. Uh, and we also celebrated, uh, it was my dad's birthday yesterday, so we had a good time. It was a short trip, but a great trip nonetheless. Uh, Jamie's not here, she's not feeling too well. I guess we worn her out too much in, Miss in Michigan. She can't quite handle my family, I guess. We're a bit rowdy. <laughs> and on top of that, uh, while I was in Michigan having a great time with my family, uh, my best friend called me, said that he's marrying the love of his life, Miss Kayla Tolis. So that was exciting for me. So it's been a great weekend for me. Um, she's in great hands. Don't worry, Tolis family. Luke's a great guy. Uh, but it's been a great week for me and exciting times for me. Um, and we all have these experiences where we're just having the time of our lives and we just don't want this time to end. We don't want the exciting times, the fun times, the times with our family to ever, ever end. How many, how many of you guys have similar experiences with me on that? Yeah, a lot of us. We don't want those happy times to cease. But unfortunately, all good things come to an end in this life. Um, but this morning, we're going to be talking about an exciting, great time that has no end. No end at all. And that is, we're going to be continuing our talk on the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom message. So to give you guys a, a bit of a recap to bring you back up to where we are today, two weeks ago uh, we took a look at what was at the center of Jesus' life, his ministry, uh, and, and his message, and those close to him. And we took a look at John the Baptist as he was preaching, uh, preparing the way for Jesus. What, what was his message all about? The kingdom. Yes, John the Baptist's message was all about the kingdom. Jesus, from the very beginning of the ministry, he preached about the kingdom. Jesus, when he sent out his 12 disciples to minister to the people, he told his disciples to preach about the kingdom. Yes, that's right. We see the message of the kingdom over and over and over again in, in, in the gospel messages. And in Luke 4.43, Jesus himself states that he was sent for this purpose, the purpose of preaching the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom message we see over and over and over again. And it was at the center of Jesus' life, ministry, and message. And so us too, it should be at the center and our focus of our life, ministry, and message as well. And last week, we, we took a look at some events that uh, are to take place before uh, the, arrive, the, the arrival of the kingdom in its fullness. And we started uh, our timeline of events with the return of Christ. And we took a look at that when Christ, he's sitting at the right hand of God right now, but when he comes back, he is going to come back. And when he comes back, all Christians are going to be resurrected from the grave, and they'll be raised with an imperishable seed. They will conquer death, just like Christ did 2,000 years ago. And then after that, Christ and his saints and his followers and the Christians, they're going to rule on this earth for 1,000 years. We're going to have power and authority for 1,000 years. And after that, 1,000 years are ended then we come up to what's called the great white throne judgment. And this is where everyone who wasn't resurrected when Christ was resurrected, they're going to be raised after that thousand year reign at the great white throne judgment. 
and they're going to be judged according to what they had done. And many of them are uh, going to uh, die in, in the lake of fire. And then after that, after death is conquered, after Jesus, after God has defeated death, then Jesus will alas deliver the kingdom to his father and his God, our father and our God, Yahweh. And so those are the events leading up to the kingdom. And so we know it was important in the life of Jesus and those close to him, and so it should be important to us as well. And uh, we, we have a, a better idea of what's going to take place before the kingdom arrives so, so we can prepare our hearts and minds uh, for the arrival uh, of God's kingdom. But something we haven't talked a whole lot about yet is what exactly the kingdom is going to look like. That's not something we haven't talked much about yet as far as what the kingdom is going to look like. Now, I love to talk about the kingdom. If you haven't figured that out yet, I, I, I love talking about the kingdom. I'll talk to the kingdom about anybody, whether up here or in, in my house or throughout the week if you want to come in. I would love to sit down with you and, and talk about the kingdom because it's an exciting message. It was, it's an exciting message. Jesus himself said he was sent for this purpose, to preach the good news of the kingdom. And I, and I love it. And the, the message of the kingdom is kind of talked throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, it's not as dense with talk about the kingdom, but you can still find talk about the kingdom in the Old Testament. Much of uh, the talk about the kingdom in the Old Testament is the talk of God is going to have an everlasting dominion, an everlasting kingdom that will overthrow every other authority, every other power, and this dominion, this kingdom will never end. And it was very much a political idea in the Old Testament. As these Jews, they read it, uh, they, they saw that God was going to be king over all. And we see that it was an emphasis on it being an everlasting kingdom, a kingdom that would never be destroyed. And so it was very much political for, for those Jews when they, when they read the Old Testament and saw the messages of the kingdom. And in the New Testament, we see the kingdom message all over the place, most notably in the, in the gospel books, the, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because that, uh, the, these books are all about the life of Jesus. And Jesus, as we took a look at two weeks ago, his teachings were all about the kingdom. His parables, all about the kingdom. He didn't start preaching and teaching uh, about his death and resurrection until about two thirds away into his ministry. That's when he began, just began to talk to his disciples about his death and resurrection. His message was about the kingdom. And we see Jesus, much of his teachings was on uh, entering. The kingdom. You know, you got to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom is coming, so repent. You want to gain entrance into the kingdom. He encouraged people to, to enter the kingdom. And we take a look at the book of Acts, the people who followed Christ. We, we take a look at Peter and others who would preach about the kingdom. And they would encourage people to enter the kingdom, enter the kingdom of heaven. You want to enter, it's going to be great. Enter the kingdom. And Paul, in, in his letters from Romans uh, to, to Timothy, uh, he writes uh, that you need to, he talks about the people who will enter the kingdom, and he talks a lot about the, the kind of people who won't enter the kingdom. And that's a big, uh, big part of his focus when talking about the kingdom. And some of the non-Pauline letters also talked about the kingdom, and, and their focus generally was about gaining entrance to the kingdom as well. And so we see these talks of the kingdom all over the place. 
But what's fascinating to me is that with all of these talks and conversations about the kingdom and all these authors writing about the kingdom, not too many people write about what the kingdom exactly is going to look like. I mean, there's a lot of mystery when it comes to the kingdom. It's kind of a beautiful thing because God informs us, God through his scriptures, he he describes the kingdom enough for us to ensure us that we want to be a part of his coming kingdom. However, he leaves a lot of mysteries in place as well. And these mysteries, I think, kind of help us to continue to seek God's kingdom and continue to seek to know more about this glorious ending where God or Jesus is going to deliver the kingdom to his God here on this earth. But regardless, I wish there were more uh, scriptures about describing what the kingdom was going to look like. Because everybody has their own ideas as far as what we'll be doing in the kingdom. But there's not a whole lot in scripture describing what we will be doing in the kingdom. Or what the kingdom will look like. And this morning, uh, we're going to take a look at a passage that to me is, is the most full or best description or picture of what the kingdom is going to look like. So if you have your Bibles, you you can open up to the book of Revelation chapter 21. The very last book, second to last chapter of your Bible, we'll we'll be reading from Revelation chapter 21. Now before we we, uh, read this, uh, I'm going to give you guys some background as far as what Revelation is all about. Uh, The author of Revelation uh, is John, and John had a vision. And John had a vision, and Jesus instructed John with these vision that he had to record this vision and send it to the seven churches that is in today, uh, Turkey. And so John had this crazy, complicated, long, confused. How many of you guys get really confused with the book of Revelation? That's all right. I, I still get confused sometimes to this day about the book of Revelation. It's, it's probably the most confusing and complicated book throughout, throughout the whole Bible, Uh, But we're going to go ahead and take a look today because it's kind of confusing because the book of Revelation is composed of this big, long, confusing, complicated vision that John is having. And we ask why this vision that John is having is so important. Well, because in Revelation 1.1, God says that this vision is to describe events that are to take place in the near future. And now these events, we're still waiting for these events to take place. But God told John that this vision that you see, these events, the the stuff that you see in this vision, the stuff that you hear in this vision, they're going to take place in the near future. So get ready. Get ready because they're going to take place in the near future. And so when we see here, when we read in Revelation chapter 21, it's important for us to remember this is a vision that John is having, and God said in Revelation 1-1 that this vision is to describe events that are to take place in the near future. And now some people, since this is just a vision, uh, they take this more figuratively than literally, but I tend to take uh, things more literal, as I said last week, Um, and and God said that these events are to take place in the near future. So with that said, uh, we'll go ahead and start In Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to read uh, the full chapter in the first five verses of chapter 22. I know that's that's a long piece of scripture to go over on a Sunday morning, uh, but to me, this is just such a beautiful picture as far as what the kingdom is going to look like. And, And John here is having a vision, and he's describing this vision to us. And so I want for you to do whatever best 
that for you to help envision this vision that John is having. So whether that's closing your eyes as I read this or reading along with me up on the projector, whatever you can do to help bring to life this vision that John is having to describe events that are to take place in the future. And so it's kind of, I'll kind of be telling you guys a story, a vision, in Revelation chapter 21. So without further ado, we'll start from the top of Revelation chapter 21. And this is John. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So here we see in John's vision, uh, he, he sees a, a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth that passed away. And in this vision, he sees this holy city of Jerusalem descending from heaven to earth. And it continues in verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And so here John hears a voice saying, the dwelling place of God is with man. The dwelling place of God. God is going to dwell with us here on earth. We are going to see him face to face. And this voice tells John that God will wipe away every tear. There will no longer be death. And there will be no more mourning or crying or pain. For the former things have passed away. Everything that's wrong with this world will be made right in God's coming kingdom. And so it continues in verse 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And so in this vision, John hears a voice from, from the one sitting on the throne, which would be God, and God's telling him that I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. There, there's no one that goes before me and there's no one that goes after me. I'm the beginning and the end. And God tells them that the one who conquers will have this heritage, will have this inheritance. The one who conquers through the end of his life and gives his life over to God, he will receive this inheritance of the kingdom. But to the rest of the people belongs a much more scary future for them and, and they will partake in the second death, which is uh, the lake of fire. And so we see in verse 9, uh, uh, John visioning, seeing this, this new city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. And so it says in verse 9, Then came one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls full 
of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the, on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So here in this vision that John is having, he, he sees the, the city of Jerusalem descending from heaven to earth. And he says this city it has a radiance like, like, a, rare, like a rare jewel. You know, you, know, you, ha- you have a wedding ring, a, a diamond ring or whatever. Kayla's, Kayla's radiant ring that she's wearing today. It radiates light. It, it radiates light. And John says this city, it radiates light just like a, a precious jewel. And so a bright and shining city des- descending from heaven to earth. And it continues in verse 15. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysopras, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. So, so John here is describing the city that he, he, that he sees descending from heaven to earth. And this city that's descending from heaven to earth, its measurements are 12,000 stadia, its length, its width, and its height. Now, in our measurements, that's about 1,380 miles. This city that's descending from heaven to earth is 1,380 miles wide. It's 1,380 miles uh, uh, long, and it's 1,380 miles tall. This is a big city. That's about half the size of the United States. So John here sees a city descending from heaven to earth, a city that's about half the size of the United States. And this city is, is radiant in glory. It's shining like, like a bright, rare jewel. And th- this image of the city of the new Jerusalem descending from heaven to earth is such a beautiful, beautiful image where the streets are made of pure gold. The, the gates are made of a single pearl. I mean, this city is the most glorious city that man will have ever laid its eyes upon a city half the size of the United States. This is one glorious sight, this is one glorious vision that John is having with the arrival of the king, the arrival of the new city, Jerusalem. And in verse 22, John continues this vision. And John said, And I saw no temple in the city, 
For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so here we see that uh, John in this vision of, of this new kingdom, this kingdom coming to earth, this new city, he says that there's no temple, there, there's no church building in this new city. And the reason for that is because God himself is dwelling with the people. There's, there's no need for a church building if God himself is with you face to face. There's no need for a temple or a church building when God himself is face to face with you. And you can have a conversation with God on your own. You can give God a big bear hug. There's no need for that. And in this vision of this kingdom, John says that he doesn't see a sun or a moon. Well, the sun, it gives us light. Without a sun, we, we, we would be in pitch blackness. We would freeze to death. But here, John, in this vision, he says there's no need for a sun. As God's radiance will glow for everyone in his coming kingdom. There will be no need for a sun or moon. God himself will serve as the light, and his son, Jesus Christ, will serve as a lamp, or or kind of like the moon at night. There will be no need for that. And he says there will be no no unclean person or no unclean thing will enter this city. There will be no more things accursed in this new Jerusalem, in, in this new kingdom. This new life for us. Nothing accursed, nothing wrong. Everything wrong with this world will be made right. And we read in the first five verses of chapter 22, kind of the conclusion of this vision that John is having all throughout Revelation. And it reads in Revelation 22, verse 1, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. They will reign forever and ever. And so in this beautiful vision that John is having of this new city, Jerusalem, he sees a beautiful river flowing through the city, and and we see the the tree of life there as well. Nothing accursed will enter it, and we see God's face, face face. No man has done that before, but we will see God's face, face to face. And the glory of God will give light, and there'll be no night, and we will reign with God and Christ forever and ever. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful vision. 
presented to us by John, where God says this vision that you have, John, is to describe events that are take place in the near future. And this vision, this part of the vision that we see from John, a vision describing the glorious reward for us, the glorious reward for us who give our life over to God, who give our life over to Christ. This is the glorious image that we have. What a beautiful vision that we have. What a, what a beautiful picture that can be painted in our mind what the kingdom of God is going to look like. Because, unfortunately, there's just not a whole lot of description in, in, in God's scripture as far as what the kingdom exactly will look like. We, we have our imagination to wonder what God's kingdom will look like. But here, this gives us an idea. An idea of how magnificent and how glorious God's kingdom will be. Where everything wrong with this world will be made right. And there's a lot wrong with this world. There's a lot wrong with this world. There's a lot of death. There's a lot of pain. Physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, spiritual pain, the pain of being backstabbed or disappointed by your loved ones. There's a lot of tears. There's a lot of sickness. There's a lot wrong with this world. But let me tell you, all of that will be no more in God's kingdom. All of that will be no more. Everything wrong with this world will be made right in God's coming kingdom. That is the glorious reward that's in store for us. And it's no wonder why Jesus talked about the kingdom so much. Because this reward that we have presented before us is such a glorious reward. There's no gift greater than this. The free gift of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. An entrance into God's coming kingdom where we, we will have fellowship with God himself. There'll be no need for a church building like this because we will be with God himself. I hope that you can see this reward that we have in store for us is such a magnificent reward ahead of us. It'll be a never-ending celebration, a never-ending celebration. I mean, I had a great time this weekend. I had a great time with, my, with some of my loved ones up in Michigan, and I heard some great news with, with my best bud down in South Carolina. It was a great weekend for me, but all good things come to an end here on this world in this life. But let me tell you, all good things in God's coming kingdom will have no end. How awesome is that? We have a good God who loves us and has a good reward in store for us. And as Jesus preached, his message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We need to get our life right now because the kingdom is coming. It's coming. God says so. His kingdom is coming. And so as we conclude, conclude this morning uh, message, I just want to take a look at one last verse. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. I want to conclude with this thought, with, with our talk on the kingdom, with, with this one uh, verse in the Sermon on the Mount. So here Jesus is preaching to the people on the mount, and he's talking to a great uh, multitude of people, arguably the greatest sermon ever, and Jesus is talking about worrying here, and he says, don't worry, don't worry about uh, the, the needs of this life. But Jesus said in chapter 6, verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. That's the message I want to conclude with you guys as, as you go away this, this morning. It's seek first the kingdom 
of God. We saw that it was at the heart of Jesus' message in his ministry. We saw the events leading up to the kingdom, and we saw a beautiful picture of the kingdom this morning. And so my message to you this morning, Jesus' message to you this morning, is to seek first that kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else in this world will take care of itself if you are seeking God's kingdom first and foremost. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for uh, the promises of your coming kingdom. Father, I thank you for uh, the beautiful uh, picture uh, that we get in Revelation 21 and 22 of uh, the promises of your kingdom and the promises of the new city, Jerusalem, descending from heaven to earth. Father, I thank you for the great example of Jesus and his ministry and how his life and ministry was all about that good news message of the kingdom. And Father, it's my prayer this morning that as we go on with our lives, that we seek your kingdom first and foremost. And when we seek your kingdom first and foremost, your your son promised to us that all, everything else with this world will take care of itself if we seek you and your kingdom first and foremost. And so I pray that we can be a church a church in its fullness, a church that seeks your kingdom first and foremost. And we love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.